It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The opinions expressed in this episode do not necessarily reflect those of the Murderish podcast. Sensitive topics are discussed. Listener discretion is advised. Imagine living in constant fear of rejection just because of who you are. That's a reality for many people in the LGBTQ community today. The level of discrimination sometimes varies by geographic location, class, and race, but not as widely as you'd think. While attitudes towards sexual orientation have arguably improved in recent years, there remains a sense of danger in being out and open. Throughout the early 2000s, the predominantly African-American population of Newark, New Jersey, was a very unwelcoming place for LGBTQ youth. Like others in her friend circle, 15-year-old Sakia Gunn found a place of refuge outside of her neighborhood. New York's Greenwich Village has gained a reputation for being a bohemian playground for anyone shoved to society's edge. But after spending time in a more inclusive and accepting setting, returning to an area with constrictive beliefs can be a rude awakening. Maybe you've never heard of Sakia Gunn, but her story needs to be told. This is Jamie, and you're listening to Murderish. Join me in exploring Sakia Gunn's case, a story of a life cut short far too soon. This case revolves around the city of Newark, the largest city in New Jersey. Newark is located approximately 16 miles from Midtown Manhattan and provides direct access to major travel hubs like Penn Station and Grand Central Terminal via New Jersey Transit. Many Newark residents live there for its proximity to New York City and its relatively low cost of living, and not for any sort of urban ambiance. The city's affordability comes at a price, though. According to crime monitoring website Neighborhood Scout, your odds of becoming the victim of a violent crime in Newark this year is 1 in 211 compared to 1 in 595 for the entire state of New Jersey. Long Island-based publication Newsday confirms the city of 237,000 residents has one of the highest murder rates among the nation's large cities. Newark's long history of tense race relations have factored into its high crime rates. It started as a vibrant city that mirrored the ethnic melting pot of New York City But that diversity gradually disintegrated with white flight in the 1950s. Increasingly poor socioeconomic conditions prompted the 1967 riots, as well as armed protests against police violence and racial inequality. But after this conflict, a sizable portion of the remaining middle class fled to the surrounding suburbs. In the decades since, 
Newark has remained a breeding ground for social discord. Most recently, hostility has grown between the Latino and African American communities there. Within the racial divide, there is a history of persecution against members of the LGBTQ community. Sakia Gunn was confronted with a stilted degree of homophobia that isn't usually associated with the liberal Northeast. Discrimination wasn't anything new for Sakia. She dealt with it her entire life. Sakia Latona Gunn was born on May 26th of 1987 to parents Latona Gunn and Gerald Gotson. She was one of six children, most of whom are half-siblings. Sakia's parents never married. This was far from unusual in the early 2000s. According to a 2004 Washington Post article, 47% of children in Essex, New Jersey, are born to unwed mothers. It's unclear what kind of role Sakia's father played in her childhood, as he's only mentioned in passing by the press. Growing up, Sakia excelled in school and was known to sit at the front of the class. She was gifted in algebra and art. She was also considered a better-than-average basketball player. Like many of her peers, she dreamt of going pro with the WNBA. Sakia made friends easily, but she had a sense of being different from a young age. She was most comfortable in masculine, baggy clothing, with her hair buzzed short. Like her closest friends, Sakia identified as an aggressive, or AG for short, a term still used to describe a non-gender conforming person of color. She came of age in a time before widespread pronoun consciousness, so she never got to declare her preferred pronoun. Sakia and her friends embodied the hip-hop style and culture of the late 1990s to early 2000s. To the common observer, before an age that more openly addresses the intricacies of gender identity, Sakia was seen as a butch lesbian. Her mother, Latona Gunn, recalled to the Journal Gazette about Sakia coming out. She was 11. She said, Mommy, I don't know if anything's wrong with me, but I don't like boys. I like girls. Sakia was fortunate enough to have a mother who embraced her daughter for exactly who she was. When asked how she would respond if any of her other children were gay, Latona Gunn told the Journal Gazette, I would tell them the same thing I told Sakia. Never be afraid of who you are. Those who knew Sakia would all agree she never tried to hide her identity. Despite homophobic insults and constant judgment cast in her direction while walking to school, she proudly wore a rainbow patch on her jeans. Sakia's demeanor and style conveyed an unflinching message. I know who I am. Her friends and family not only accepted her, they admired her strength. But the support Sakia received was in stark contrast to the way most Newark residents treated her. The discrimination was almost hardwired into their brains from a young age. Avid churchgoers seemed to display the most bigotry. It was a sin to be attracted to the same sex, according to the church's preachings. Community church leaders taught the masses that homosexuality was a choice that could be prayed away or resisted against with enough willpower. To the most devout, everything Sakya represented was unnatural and unholy.
As we enter the last quarter of the year, some of us might be feeling a little guilty for not sticking to the resolutions we made back in January. I get it, meal planning to fit your budget and health goals every single week feels like one more chore added to your never-ending to-do list. Which is why Green Chef is my go-to meal kit for eating clean lately. My favorite thing about Green Chef is the variety and customization, because who wants to eat a boring salad every single day? Not this girl. With over 80 weekly options, including quick and easy, calorie smart, delicious discoveries, and plant-based meals, there's something for everyone. Trust me, their recipes featuring lean proteins like sockeye salmon are absolutely mouthwatering. But it's not just about the delicious food. Green Chef is also super sustainable. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions and plastic waste, and their seafood is sourced responsibly. So you're not just eating well, you're also doing good for the planet. And let's talk about convenience. Their quick and easy recipes are ready in 25 minutes or less, which has been a lifesaver on busy nights. In past episodes, you've heard me rave about HelloFresh meal kits. The cool thing is that HelloFresh now owns Green Chef. Personally, I love both brands and I'm thrilled to offer my listeners the opportunity to enjoy both at a discounted rate when they join me. Try Green Chef yourself today by going to greenchef.com slash 60murderish and use code 60murderish to get 60% off plus free shipping. One thing you might not know about me is that I absolutely love interior design. I'm constantly looking for ways to enhance the inside of my home. But when it comes to the outside, it often takes a backseat because let's be real, I struggle to keep even a houseplant alive. Which is precisely why I love fast-growing trees. Fast-growing trees is the game changer for all of your outdoor landscaping dreams. They've carefully curated thousands of plants, ensuring you find the perfect fit for your specific climate, location, and needs. No more driving around to nurseries and gardening centers. You can order online and your plants will be at your doorstep within one to two days. Whether you're looking to add privacy, create some shade, or just enhance the natural beauty of your yard, Fast Growing Trees has got you covered. They have in-house experts that are ready to help you select the right plants, and you can access their growing and care advice 24-7. If you're like me and you've never had a green thumb, not to worry, fast-growing trees will make you feel like a pro. Just ask over 1 million satisfied customers across the country who've transformed their outdoor spaces with ease. And the best part? Fast-growing trees offers a 30-day alive and thrive guarantee. You can trust that everything you receive will stay healthy for years to come. Listeners of our show get 15% off your entire order when you go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash murderish, but only through October 15th. That's 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash murderish, fastgrowingtrees.com slash murderish. Newark was a wasteland for young people like Sakia. Even if you were out, you were still forced to be closeted. There was no safe haven for people like Sakia to gather and live freely. Luckily, a sense of camaraderie would be found a short train ride away. New York's Greenwich Village has a complex history in the gay rights movement. 
The Stonewall Riots of 1969 represented the start of liberation for the community. In the years that followed, the village became a sanctuary for same-sex couples, alternative culture, and those living outside the norm. It's not hard to see why Sakia and her circle of friends usually headed into Greenwich Village for a night out. In addition to gay clubs, there was an active party scene pulsing through the streets that included young queer people of color. The village carried an unmistakable air of acceptance that Newark was completely lacking. The night of May 10th, 2003 was nothing out of the ordinary. Sakia was joined by four other girls on an outing into the city. Late into the night, they partied on Chelsea Pierce before moving on to Christopher Street. From there, the group hopped on the PATH train to Newark, a half-hour journey that cost $1.50 at the time. It was after 3 a.m. by that point, and even on a Saturday night, the streets were mostly desolate. Sakia and her friends waited for the bus at Newark's busiest intersection, where Broad and Market Streets crossed. At such a late hour, the large police booth on the corner sat unoccupied. While waiting for the New Jersey Transit bus to take them home, they ducked into a bus shelter. The group of high school girls were all together, but felt very much alone. At around 3.20 a.m., a white station wagon transporting two men pulled up alongside them. The men shouted from their window that the girls should come party and beckoned them closer to the car. At first, the young women ignored their advances, but the men were relentless. Finally, Sakia declared she wasn't interested before announcing that she was gay. That was the moment the male passenger emerged from the car. A physical altercation followed, with Sakia and her best friend Valencia Bailey fighting back. But the man overpowered the girls, lunging towards Sakia with a knife. His blade struck her deep in the chest. As Sakia struggled to catch her breath, her assailant fled in the car he'd arrived in. As quick as he'd appeared, the violent stranger was gone. Another car happened to be stopped at a nearby red light. Sakia's friends frantically flagged down the driver and begged for a ride to the closest hospital. The driver took them straight to University Hospital, no questions asked. The girls barely made it inside the emergency room. Valencia held Sakia tightly in her arms, her hands stained with her closest friend's blood. Sakia's eyes fluttered one last time before she went completely still. Valencia couldn't bring herself to say goodbye, but Sakia was gone. It was just 15 days before Sakia's 16th birthday when she died. In a devastating twist of fate, it also happened to be the morning of Mother's Day. Word spread quickly around the neighborhood about Sakia's violent death. At the time she was murdered, Sakia had been living with her grandmother, Thelma Gunn, who had legal custody of the teen. According to Gay City News, when Thelma learned of Sakia's death, she had to be rushed to the emergency room for a heart arrhythmia. Thelma happened to be taken to the same hospital where her granddaughter died. Sakia's girlfriend, 19-year-old Jamone Marsh, told the Daily Record she felt like her world had ended, recalling, I took it real, real hard. 
The next day, I was in the hospital myself. I had a panic attack. I was dehydrated. When she heard the awful news, Sakia's close friend, Felicia Holt, rushed to the bus station where the stabbing had taken place. Felicia was moved to discover a small gathering had already formed there. As reported by Democracy Now!, Sakia's peers created a memorial at the site. Her photograph was surrounded by balloons and candles. Several of Sakia's friends autographed a basketball and wore Knicks jerseys to honor her passion for the sport. Every night, hundreds of young queer people of color stood vigil to memorialize Sakia. Something needed to be done to prevent anything like this from happening ever again. Young Newark residents in the LGBTQ community were outraged that something like this could happen on their streets. Outraged, but certainly not surprised, violence was an everyday part of Newark life. There was an undeniable truth. Sakia had been murdered specifically because she was gay. Those who identified as LGBTQ and their allies refused to let Sakia's death be in vain. She was gone and nothing could change that. But many of Sakia's peers channeled their feelings of devastation into a catalyst for widespread change. The community response was not all positive, though. According to the website Out History, administrators at Newark Public Schools, including Westside High School, refused students' requests to hold a moment of silence for Sakia or wear rainbow colors to combat invisibility. Social pressure, however, prompted a change of heart at the one-year anniversary of Sakia's murder. Unlike school administrators, many members of the community refused to let go of the issues raised by the crime. Three days after the murder, close to 500 people marched from the bus station to City Hall. Of course, they wanted law enforcement to track down the man responsible for Sakia's death, but there was a bigger picture that needed to be urgently addressed. The demonstrators demanded that civic leaders create a safe and welcoming space for LGBTQ youth in Newark. Sakia's friend, Ash Walker, attended the rally outside City Hall. She told the Courier News, we want justice, not only for Sakia, but for every victim of a biased crime. The massive crowd grew silent as Sakia's mother, Latona, appeared before them to speak. She was shaking and visibly grief-stricken as she addressed the protesters. As quoted by the Courier News, Latona proclaimed, Nobody had the right to take my child away. Nobody deserves to die the way she did. Shouts of support echoed through the streets, reverberating off the walls of City Hall with an intensity that could not be ignored. Noticeably absent from the rally was Mayor Sharp James, the second African-American mayor of Newark. During a 2002 re-election campaign for a fifth term, he'd promised a greater police presence downtown in response to an escalation in violence. Mayor James had been re-elected, but he hadn't exactly delivered on his promises. The very police booth at the intersection where Sakia was stabbed was meant to be staffed 24 hours a day. In truth, according to the Courier News, the booth had not been staffed between 1 a.m. and 6 a.m. for many years. The police justified this decision, 
by claiming there was too little activity during those early morning hours to support proposed staffing. As quoted by the Courier News, the mayor held a press conference after the rally where he stated, we will not tolerate bias crime in the city of Newark. It was hardly the response the community was hoping for. Sakia's cousin, Anthony Hall, reacted to Mayor James's disappointing statement and lack of police protection in the area. Hall told the Courier News, your kid could be dead just like my cousin is. We need to stop this madness. Who is someone to judge anyone else? No one has that right. It shouldn't matter whether you're gay or not. But the crime didn't just reveal bias in Newark. It also exposed national media bias since Sakia's murder received so little coverage. The fact that Sakia was a gay young black woman of lower economic status meant her story was automatically marginalized. Meanwhile, bias crimes involving white victims stole headlines. I used to be completely in the dark about how much I was really spending on subscriptions, and I assume there are a few of you out there who can relate to this. Then I downloaded the Rocket Money app and discovered I was paying for not one, but three streaming services that I hadn't used in over a year. Thanks to Rocket Money, I kissed those unnecessary expenses goodbye, and I saved some serious cash. Rocket Money is like your personal finance superhero. It's designed to uncover those sneaky subscriptions that are quietly draining your wallet. Did you know the average person thinks they're spending around $80 on subscriptions, when in reality, it's closer to a whopping 200. Crazy, right? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel those unwanted subscriptions with just a tap of your finger. No more of those never-ending hold times or frustrating back and forth emails with customer service. Rocket Money takes care of all the hard work for you, making your life simpler and your wallet happier. But here's the real game changer. Rocket Money can even negotiate to lower your bills by up to 20%. Just snap a quick picture of your bill and Rocket Money swings into action, ensuring that you get the best deal possible. Rocket Money also recommends customized budgets based on your past spending habits and sends helpful notifications when you're getting close to your spending limits. The best part, with over 3 million users and counting, Rocket Money customers have collectively saved an average of $720 a year, meaning Rocket Money puts real money back in your pocket. Stop wasting money on things you don't use, cancel your unwanted subscriptions, and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com murderish. That's rocketmoney.com murderish. Rocketmoney.com murderish. Don't wait any longer. Take charge of your finances with Rocket Money and start saving today. All right, let's be honest. How many of us follow these so-called health experts on social media who have perfect bodies, seem to always be eating the prettiest organic plates of food, and seem to know the exact diet and workout regimen everyone needs to follow? This isn't to say that wellness influencers aren't actually healthy, but most of them are not certified experts. 
If you want real health advice from a certified professional, you need to hop off TikTok and hop on to ZocDoc. Imagine having access to thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed doctors and specialists all at your fingertips. Whether you're looking for a primary care physician, a specialist, or just someone who accepts your insurance, ZocDoc has you covered. And here's the best part. Every doctor on ZocDoc has verified reviews from real patients, so you know you're making an informed decision and not relying on bots, a random influencer, or guesswork. On average, the wait time to see a doctor booked through ZocDoc is just 24 to 48 hours. No more waiting weeks for an appointment. You can even score same-day appointments if you need to see a doctor urgently. Once you find the perfect doctor, booking an appointment is a breeze. With a few taps on the app, you can secure your appointment. Although I actually really love my doctor, it's great knowing that I have the ZocDoc app waiting for me if I ever need to find a new medical professional or a specialist quickly. Go to ZocDoc.com murderish and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash murderish. ZocDoc.com slash murderish. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Many people considered Saki a gun, Newark's Matthew Shepard. Back in 1998, Matthew Shepard was beaten, tortured, and tied to a fence by two men in Laramie, Wyoming when they found out he was gay. The murder of the 21-year-old white college student received extensive coverage by both national and international media and prompted legislation against hate crimes. As revealed by Out in Jersey, Professor Kim Pearson from the College of New Jersey did a study using newspaper database LexisNexis to compare coverage of both cases. Her findings uncovered more than 650 stories about Matthew Shepard in major newspapers and only 21 articles about Sakia Gunn's murder in a seven-month period after her death. When talking about disparities in reporting on Sakia's case, assistant editor of the Gay City News, Mick Meenan, told the journal Gazette, I think there's racism in the LGBT community and no doubt there's classism. Whatever attitudes that occur within the community at large occur in the LGBT community. Where do these prejudices originate? It's an important question that could amount to intergenerational racism and classism. Laketa Nelson, founder of the Newark Pride Alliance, reflects on the church's impact on community attitudes, telling the Journal Gazette, preaching hatred from the pulpit has contributed to the homophobia toward the gay and lesbian community. Regardless of what causes anti-gay biases, Newark residents rightfully believed the first step forward was tracking down Sakia's killer. 
Little is known about the police investigation into Sakia Gunn's murder. As previously mentioned, media coverage was meager at best. While the vigil and subsequent rally were going on, Newark police had launched a manhunt. It wasn't too difficult to track down 29-year-old Richard McAuliffe. There had been plenty of witnesses to the crime among Sakia's group of five. Sakia's friends described the car as a white 1988 Chevy station wagon. Though McAuliffe had been the passenger, investigators tracked down the driver, Alan Pierce, and somehow connected the two men. On May 14th of 2003, the same day as the rally outside City Hall, McAuliffe found out there was a warrant for his arrest. McAuliffe surrendered and was held at the Essex County Detention Center on $500,000 bail. His charges included murder with a purpose to intimidate an individual or group because of sexual orientation, as well as numerous weapons offenses and other charges. Typically, these charges would see McAuliffe facing up to 30 years behind bars, but he was indicted under New Jersey's bias crime statute, which had only been written into law the year before. These new laws held the risk of much harsher sentences. McAuliffe was looking at a sentence of more than 100 years. The driver of the vehicle involved in the crime, Alan Pierce, was never charged. With her attacker now in police custody, Sakia's loved ones were finally able to lay her to rest. Sakia's funeral was held on May 16th, Perry's funeral home was not prepared for the turnout. Hours before the viewing was set to begin, an estimated 3,000 people had formed a line outside. Sakya had come to be viewed as a martyr, a symbol of the hate and discrimination ingrained in mainstream society. People from all over the tri-state area came to pay their respects. He expressed his condolences to Sakya's mother, Latona Gunn. The mayor also pledged support for a community center aimed at lesbian and gay youth so they could gather peacefully and receive counseling service from LGBT allied therapists. The conversation left Latona feeling skeptical but hopeful. Sakia was laid out in a blue tracksuit, one of her favorite outfits. As reported by the Washington Post, before the coffin lid was closed, a friend placed a white gold necklace beside Sakia that read, Lesbian Pride. Sakia was buried at Fairmount Cemetery within view of the high school she attended. According to the advocate, her simple ground-level headstone reads, Precious Daughter, and is etched with two red roses and a rainbow to symbolize gay pride. Even in death, her family wanted to ensure that Sakia's sexuality was celebrated, not shunned. Sadly, months passed without Mayor Sharp James building the LGBT-friendly community center that he'd promised. But the issues brought to the forefront with Sakia's murder were not buried along with her, although change does not happen overnight. Gay rights activists and community allies rallied together to establish the Newark Pride Alliance. Laketa Nelson, a social worker and longtime community activist who helped found the group, says circumstances have made it difficult to sustain a movement for change. Nelson told The Advocate 
that while Newark citizens remained outraged long after Sakia Gunn's death, a great majority of them are in the closet and they are fearful of losing their jobs. It seemed more support could be established with the city's young people. About a year after Sakia's murder, Nelson created an event called No Name Calling Day. According to the Washington Post, 77 Newark schools sponsored thematic events that included a moment of silence for Sakia and five other local students who suffered violent deaths in 2004. Newark's first chapter of PFLAG, or Parents and Families of Lesbians and Gays, was also founded that year in response to Sakia's death. The national organization set up an annual college scholarship of $2,500 in Sakia Gunn's name. And finally, the Newark City Council set up a commission to address the needs of the gay community. With the election of Cory Booker as mayor in 2006, came a shift in bureaucratic outlooks. Mayor Booker was much more sensitive to concerns coming from Newark's gay population than former Mayor Sharp James had been. Mayor Booker was known on a national scale as an advocate for gay marriage, and he fought to legalize it in New Jersey. More progress came long after Sakia Gunn's murder. A 2008 documentary titled Dreams Deferred, The Sakia Gunn Project, spread public awareness about the community's response and subsequent progress, along with exclusive interviews with Sakia's loved ones. The city of Newark also eventually got its own LGBTQ community center in 2013. It took 10 long years of political campaigning and fundraising, efforts made mostly by lesbian women of color. The Newark LGBTQ Center now hosts queer support groups, yoga sessions, craft nights, and community dinners, among other services. Sakia Gunn would be proud to learn there is now a safe space right in her home city. This is Sakia's story, but the case cannot be closed without tying up loose ends with the perpetrator. Richard McAuliffe, the man who held the knife that ended Sakia's life, was offered a plea deal. According to the Washington Post, in exchange for a guilty plea, Assistant Essex County Prosecutor Thomas McTeague agreed to reduce the second-degree murder indictment to aggravated manslaughter with bias intimidation. At an April 2005 plea hearing, McAuliffe admitted to calling Gunn a gay slur, but still dodged full accountability for the stabbing. He told the judge that Sakia Gunn had run into his knife. To say that Sakia's loved ones were disheartened by the reduced charges would be an understatement. Valencia Bailey, the friend who held Sakia as she died, told the Washington Post, I feel that justice is being served halfway, but there's some things you can't change. A few weeks later at a sentencing hearing, Sakia's family provided heart-wrenching victim impact statements. As reported by the New York Times, Sakia's mother Latona told McAuliffe, your rage has caused me 23 months of sleepless nights. Thelma Gunn, Sakia's grandmother and legal guardian, said of Sakia and her friends, 
All they wanted was to go home and get in their beds. Her bed turned out to be a coffin, as quoted by the New York Times. In the end, McAuliffe was sentenced to 20 years in prison for aggravated manslaughter, aggravated assault, and bias intimidation. The sentence was less than the 25-year maximum, with the judge citing McAuliffe's lack of previous criminal record as a mitigating factor. McAuliffe was ordered to serve 85% of his sentence before he would be eligible for parole in 2025. As of the date of this recording, McAuliffe's first opportunity for release is about two years away. While McAuliffe may be denied the right to freely roam the streets, the threat of others with anti-gay perspectives remains imminent. It's been two decades since Sakia's murder, and the case continues to be analyzed. One of the stark realizations about her case has been that hate is not limited by geographic location. Michael Blake, president of the New Jersey Stonewall Democrats, said to the Courier News, we're horrified that this could happen in New Jersey, which has a reputation as a more open, accepting state. It shows that violence against gays can happen anywhere. That statement holds true in recent years. According to the acting attorney general, Michael J. Platkin, in 2021, more than 1,800 bias incidents were reported to law enforcement agencies in New Jersey. Out of that record high number, over 350 incidents targeted LGBTQ people. These statistics tell us that violence in the state and throughout our nation remains an ongoing issue. In a way, Sakia's eyes are watching the streets of Newark as change arises. In 2016, as part of the citywide Gateways to Newark initiative, artist Tatiana Fazlalizade painted a mural called Sakia, 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 portraying the slain teen's image. The artist wrote on her Facebook page, I'm not from Newark. I didn't know Sakia personally, but she was a young black queer girl and deserves to be seen and her story heard. While painting, many people drove by and yelled out her name. A few people got out of their cars to tell me they knew her. This is the stuff that public art is good for. Maybe someday, Sakia can be proud of the city she left behind. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Murderish. I just got back from CrimeCon in Orlando, Florida, and words cannot express how amazing that event was. I met so many fans of the podcast and I had really great conversations with all of them. If you were one of the people I met, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for all of your support. It means the world to me and speaking with so many of you has made me more motivated than ever to continue producing this podcast and others. And if you weren't able to attend CrimeCon, but you're listening right now, I also thank you for your support over the years. None of my podcasts would exist without all of you. You guys, I've been telling all of you about a brand new podcast I recently launched along with my co-host and friend, Melissa Moore. It's called Lipstick and Lies. 
On Lipstick and Lies, Melissa and I take turns walking each other and listeners through mostly female-centric cases involving lady liars and killers. And we offer our own unique perspective as two survivors of crime and women who work full-time in the true crime realm. Lipstick and Lies is available now in all podcast apps. If you enjoy Murderish, do me the biggest favor by leaving a positive rating and review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. Make sure you're following me on Instagram and TikTok at Jamie on Air. That's J-A-M-I on Air on Instagram and TikTok. Especially because I recently started a true crime TV club called The Serial Streamers. Serial Streamers is just like a book club, only it's a club for people who binge true crime documentaries and TV series. If you want to join the Serial Streamers TV club, all you have to do is follow me on Instagram at Jamie on Air and watch for videos about the latest TV series that we're all watching together so you can join us in the comments and share your thoughts on each series. That's Jamie on Air on Instagram. I also record video of every Serial Streamers episode on YouTube, so make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel at Jamie on Air. If you'd like ad-free episodes of Murderish, sign up for Murderish Behind the Mic on Patreon or at Murderish.com and then start enjoying ad-free episodes right away. Thank you so much to Gay Barry for becoming the latest Murderish Behind the Mic patron. I appreciate your support. This episode was researched and written by Allison Schwartz. Visit Murderish.com for a list of sources used for this episode. And remember, listening to this podcast doesn't make you a murderer. It just means you're murder-ish. Okay, listen up, everyone. I need your help with a missing person case. 61-year-old Henry Robert Harris, an African-American male, has not been heard from since October 1st of 2022. The Philadelphia, Pennsylvania resident is described as six foot two, around 200 pounds, with dark brown dreadlocks, a mustache, and brown eyes. He has spacing in between each of his teeth. Harris was last seen in the Frankfurt or Kensington area of Philly. Anyone with information about Henry Robert Harris's location should contact the Philadelphia Police Department at 215-686-3153. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.